Let's now turn to the text this morning from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2. And the verses we'll be looking at this morning are verses 36 to 38. I would like to read some words prior to that about Simeon. So we'll start at verse 22, but then we'll focus on the verses 36 to 38. So starting at verse 22, And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to, his Mar- to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And then comes our text. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, today we may think a little bit about the place of seniors, the place of widows and widowers in the midst of the congregation. In our congregation in Carmen West, We have quite a few seniors over the age of 75, and if we would go by age 70, there are even more. And I would suspect that's also the case here. It's a sizable, significant demographic of the congregation. It is by no means a small or minor part. Even so, knowing this, there is always the danger of a generational gap, a disconnect with the seniors in the church. For we live today in a social welfare state with pensions and nursing homes and home care, etc. Not that these things are wrong in themselves, but they can easily contribute to that disconnect. As the state sees to the well-being of the elderly, 
it leaves the younger generations to concern themselves with other things. And amongst the congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Today's text concerning a very elderly woman causes us to, to think about these things. This text is about Anna, who we read has a very special place in God's plan. She is directed by God's Spirit into the temple to speak words about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is an event that is recorded in the Scriptures for our good. It reminds us, brothers and sisters, that all of us, including the elderly, have a place in God's plan, and thus a place in the activity of the congregation. So we hear God's word proclaimed this morning under this theme. Anna professes the arrival of the promised Redeemer. That's how we'll summarize the message. Anna professes the arrival of the promised Redeemer. And we'll see three things. First of all, Anna's piety, then Anna's message, and then finally Anna's thankfulness. So first we'll consider Anna's piety. Anna, we read in our text, is a widow. And that, brothers and sisters, is not an easy circumstance. It never is, but it was particularly not easy in the days of the Bible or in biblical times. At that time, there were no social security or pensions, or nursing homes, or home care, etc. And this is why, especially why, God's special care for widows is a recurring theme in Scripture. And it's also why we read in the Old Testament and in the New, God giving special legislation and instruction to His people to protect widows. We read in the Bible that it is, first of all, the responsibility of the family to take care of their widows. And if there is no family to do that, then the congregation is given the responsibility to care for them. Even then, with all of this commandment and legislation and instruction of the Lord, often the widows were neglected or they were exploited and this is also evidenced in the New Testament in a very well-known passage. And I would like you to open up your Bibles to that passage now. That's 1 Timothy chapter 5. So turn with me to 1 Timothy 5. And I'll begin reading at verse 1, where Paul gives instruction to the church about how to respect one another, how to care for one another. And he addresses various demographics. He says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. So treat the elderly men of the congregation, respect them like you would respect your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. And then we read, 
Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. By the way, as we read those words, think about Anna. That's exactly what she was doing as well in our text. She has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. Those words are right in our text. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And then the apostle goes on to, to speak about a special list for the true widows. And also he addresses that the widows can be busy, can be active in the midst of the congregation. So some, some instruction and encouragement concerning widows in the New Testament. So nothing has changed from the old and nothing has changed today. Beloved, Paul is addressing in 1 Timothy 5 that we need to give moral and physical support to widows. There are widows who are truly in need and others who don't fit that category, those who have children and grandchildren. And those children and grandchildren should discharge the debt which they owe to those who brought them up. Paul says it, those children or grandchildren who do not fulfill this duty have denied the faith and are worse than unbelievers. Makes you think, doesn't it? You have a, an elderly mother or father or grandmother or grandfather who is in need. Do you care for them? Do you take care of them? Do you think about them and attend to their needs, see how they're doing regularly? James says in his letter, this is how people put their religion into practice. He says this in verse 27 of chapter 1, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's the example he uses to describe what true religion is. Taking care, visiting orphans and widows. And as I have hinted, the presence of social security, of pensions and, and home care, whatever, doesn't relieve the family of its loving obligations. And for those who have no family, for them the congregation is responsible. It all demonstrates, beloved, that there are widows who live a difficult and dependent life. The trials, the desolation, the temptation, the sorrow of such a condition is very great. And now we read in our text that Anna was such a widow, and not only that, she was such a widow for a very long time. It says here, until 
she was 84. So she was married for seven years and then a widow until she was 84. So married from a young age when she was a, uh, considered a virgin and then a widow till she was 84. Some translations actually say that she was a widow for 84 years. The original is actually not that clear. And so some translations have it that that's how long she was a widow. That would put her over the age or near the age of 100. This widow is a godly widow. Verse 37b says, she did not depart from the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. She's just like Simeon. Or she's like, and then this is a theme that, that Luke has been developing in chapters 1 and 2. She's like Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary. She's part of that faithful, and because of her age, that, that's a faithfulness that has endured, part of a faithful Jewish remnant that eagerly has been looking forward, longing for the Messiah. And she has been longing for the Messiah because she understands her human depravity and sin and her need for a Savior and the need for forgiveness of sins by the grace of God. This is what Peter spoke about in his letter in our uh, we read in our reading, verse 18 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Anna knows that to find salvation in herself, in her own deeds, is futile. She understands what Peter says later as he quotes the Old Testament, that all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. She understands that she is perishable, and that she will be here today and gone tomorrow, and will be gone forever if it's not for the saving work of God. And so we read in our text, she's devoted night and day, attending the temple regularly. That's how we are to read night and day. She would be there at the time of the morning sacrifice. She would be there when the evening sacrifice was given. In other words, she would lead a worshipful life. The center of her life is to serve the Lord, and to call on Him. And that makes us think of 1 Timothy 5 again, doesn't it? Where Paul talks about that list of widows. That there should be no widows on the list unless she is over 60 and unless she demonstrates gifts. Faithfulness to her husband when he was alive. Known for her good deeds. One who has raised her children properly. One who, was, one who is hospitable, etc. One who is busy uh, offering up prayers and supplications to God every day. That's the kind of woman Anna was, even in her old age. That's right. 
whether she was 84 or 100, she was busy every day offering up prayers and supplications to God for the saints. Every day, Anna was concerned for others. She was concerned for the kingdom of God. She was concerned for all those who put their hope and expectation in God and His promises. She totally depended on and trusted in God for her spiritual life and for the forgiveness of sins. And she would share that expectation with anyone who wanted to listen. She was a busy and active widow. God is laying out for us in Anna's piety an example to the widows in our midst or the widowers how they ought to be busy in their later stages of life. And then we read that one day when she is in the temple courts, she gets to experience an amazing thing. God leads her, guides her by the Spirit so that she comes upon a little crowd that has formed. Our text begins that, or our, our, our text says that in verse 38, and coming up at that very hour. And that's a reference to the gathering of Simeon with Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus. At that very hour when Simeon was, was prophesying, she comes into the temple and is drawn to that crowd. And with the blessing of God is able to not only observe with her eyes the little baby Jesus, the fulfillment of God's promise, but she's also able to hear the words spoken about him. So that she is convinced by the Spirit that this is the Messiah. That this is the fulfillment of the promise. And in so doing, God can reveal a new purpose for her. You see how God's timing is always perfect, beloved? Often we ask, and I would suggest that it's often the widows and widowers who asks that question more than others, what is my purpose in life? Why do I still live here on this earth? It's particularly a question of a widow or a widower whose spouse doesn't live anymore, who live in sometimes very desperate and difficult situations. And the text is providing the answer to that question, beloved. That God has a purpose for everyone. Also for the elderly. And that is to keep on waiting on the Lord. Eagerly await Jesus Christ from heaven in the second coming. Eagerly await the fulfillment of the promises. Anna had waited a very long time. And after all those years, God's purpose became clear for her. And that purpose is further explained in our second point when we consider Anna's message. Anna, we read in verse 36, is a prophetess. 
Now, that's a, an important theme of Luke as well in these early chapters. For many centuries, the voice of prophecy had become silent. There's a gap of about four centuries, 400 years, between Malachi and the last prophets and the Gospels. Silence from the Spirit. And then in Luke we start to read of not one, not two, but many prophets and prophetesses. Anna's not alone. She's with Zechariah and Mary and Simeon and John the Baptist. God is making Himself known again and pouring out a special gift for a special time in redemptive history. A prophet or a prophetess in the Gospels is one who, having received revelations of the mind and will of God, declares to others what has been received. And in our text, we're seeing how Anna's task in life, what she understood her purpose to be in life all those years, waiting for, telling about the redemption of Israel that would come, the great expectation, the, the task to remind Others not to forget about God's promises to answer Israel's deep spiritual need. That is to say, what we read in 1 Peter 1, to speak of the grace that was to come. That's 1 Peter 1 verse 10. Anna receives a new purpose. By the way, Anna is a name that means grace. God's grace. And it's wonderful that she could speak of the grace, first of all, that was to come, and then what of the grace that has come. She can speak now of a child that God has given to all who had been looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She can speak now of one who has come to take away the sins of the world. And it begins in our text, but it doesn't end there. For after a long time of waiting, she no longer needs to stay in the temple day and night. But she can leave the temple. She can make it her task to tell her friends, her relatives, her children and grandchildren, her neighbors, who all had the same expectation as her. She can continue to be an active widow in the congregation, in other words. She can spread the good news of Jesus Christ. She can spread the message of grace every day. In the spirit of Pentecost, beloved, she can in her old age fulfill her task of speaking about Jesus to anyone who would listen. She can continue to sing His praises. She can continue day and night to pray to God and for God's people. And so we also learn of our purpose in life too. That we can continue to prophesy of the coming of Jesus Christ. His first coming and His second. We can do so about the redemption which has come of Christ who is now King and of the Son who will come again. In our reading in 1 Peter 1, verse 5, 
we read about Christ coming again in glory, a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Of that we can speak. Of that we can sing. There's a great hymn of Charles Wesley, which he composed in 1744. It happens to be one of the hymns that is being proposed for our hymnal. And these are the words of this hymn, slightly revised from what you may remember. Come, O long-expected Jesus, born to set your people free. From our fears and sins release us. Christ in you our rest shall be. Israel's strength and consolation, come salvation to impart. Bring your hope to every nation, joy to every longing heart. That's one stanza. The other is, born your people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, born your gracious realm to bring. By your own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By your all-sufficient merit, raise us to your glorious throne. Yes, may such words be on our lips. May such words fill our minds and may the tune be hummed day and night. We have a prophetic task, beloved. Not just the elderly widow, all of us. In Lord's Day 12, that's what we confess concerning the Christian, that as prophet, we must confess Christ's name. We must be active to tell the good news. We must be calling people to repentance because Jesus is coming again. It's a task that has a special significance for our elderly. Two, yes, let the elderly keep teaching. Let them keep reminding their children and their grandchildren of God's grace and the call to faith and repentance. If they're able, let them help in the education of the covenant children. Let them help with the catechism instruction. Let them contribute financially. Let them provide rides in the car for their grandchildren. Let them participate in works of evangelism and outreach. Let them offer up prayers for the saints night and day. Let them be busy. Let them be thankful. And that's our third point, Anna's thankfulness. Briefly, we read in verse 38, and she began to give thanks to God. It's a special word in the original. And it confirms and underlines what, what we've been hearing. This word, to give thanks, is a special word that means to praise the Lord publicly in the hearing of others. It's to, to offer a song of praise to the Lord and encourage and invite others to sing along. It's to stand alongside in Simeon's song. Give thanks to God publicly. Let us all join with Simeon and Anna, beloved, with Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary. Let us give thanks to God for His redemption in Jesus Christ. For what we know today is even far more than Anna ever knew. We have all received grace upon grace, it says in John 1. We rejoice 
as we read in 1 Peter 1, verse 8, we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Yes, let us with joy and thanksgiving declare the wonderful deeds of the Lord. Beloved, in conclusion, there's work to do. Even for those of us who are very far along and advanced in years, there's work for boys and girls, for married and single, for widows and widowers. God has a purpose for all of us. Just as Anna spent her time in prayer and praise and proclamation, we should too. Yes, what a blessed way, beloved, to spend our lives, even in our declining years. Amen. Let's join together now in song, singing Psalm 92. Uh, in part we'll sing, Still fruit in old age bearing, they fresh and green remain. Their witness makes it plain, the Lord is just and caring. We'll sing Psalm 92, stanzas 1, 2, 3, and 7. Let's stand to sing.